Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. So this past Saturday, I got an early Christmas gift, and that early Christmas gift is not the ugly sweater. That was my own Christmas gift to myself, but for 35 years, I have been a Buffalo Bills fan, and I went through the misery of four Super Bowl losses in a row. I cried myself to sleep, but this past Saturday was amazing because they clinched a playoff berth, and they did so in dramatic fashion. Uh, Everybody was looking forward to this game because they knew the snow was going to be coming. And you knew it was going to be pretty chaotic because as the fans came into the stands, their seats were covered in snow. So they had to do some work in order to just sit down and enjoy the game. Well, they got bored during the game and they decided to throw snowballs at the opposing team, and they even threw snowballs at the the Buffalo Bills players when they scored a touchdown. So that was their way of celebrating. But it was unprecedented because the refs decided that they were going to make an announcement, so they stopped the game, and they said that if fans continue to throw snowballs, the Buffalo Bills would get a 15-yard penalty. Well, the snowball slowed down, but they didn't stop altogether, you can imagine. But people were disappointed with one factor of this game, and it's because it didn't snow the entire game. It only snowed in the fourth quarter. But when it started to snow, that lake effect snow, which I'm familiar with, came through in full force. So the players are having trouble seeing because the snow is falling. They're cold. They have trouble holding on to the football. But both teams played their hardest. And at the end of the game, with a few seconds left, the Bills kicked a field goal to win the game. And there you can see just a little bit of that snowfall. Now, what's humorous is that at the end of the game, the Bills were celebrating. The players went out into the field, and they started making snow angels in the middle of the field. They were jumping in snow piles, and yes, they were throwing snowballs at each other as well. Now, one of the advantages that the Buffalo Bills had is they were used to the weather conditions, Versus the Miami Dolphins players who suffer in Florida coming up to western New York weren't as used to it. And so the Bills players were actually disappointed that it didn't snow the entire game. But one factor that was critical is they weren't afraid of the snow. They weren't rejecting the snow, but instead they embraced the chaos. And there's something behind that when we embrace the chaos. You know, when we talk about chaos, that is not foreign in our world. We're all too familiar with chaos. 
When we watch the news, we can read and, and listen and hear of stories about the economy and the instability and the rising inflation cost and interest rising and it can be a little scary or wars and rumors of wars or division that is happening in our country, racism that is still rampant, all of these things that are factoring in the division where people are just at each other's throats and it can be chaotic. But not just on the world level, not just in our country, but Perhaps we've experienced chaos in our lives. Some of us are experiencing chaos because we want to fight for our sobriety. Nobody here wants to fight for their sobriety, do they? We all want to fight for our sobriety. Be sober-minded, be vigilant as the scripture talks about. Some of us are in chaos because of relationships and strains with family and friends and co-workers. And we're in situations right now where we're trying to mend once what was once whole. And now it's broken and we're trying to put it back together again. Or maybe it's that diagnosis we received, whether it's physical ailments, whether it's mental instability that we're experiencing just because of the trauma that has happened in our world. And you know that there's such thing as vicarious trauma where we've all experienced some trauma over the past few years or this rampant addiction that is happening, the overdoses that are taking out people on a daily basis. Almost hour by hour, even in our community, uh, uh, friends have told me, hey, we've lost eight people this past week. And the list continues to grow. It's chaos. And yet, in the midst of it all, the world has always been chaotic. And yet, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ embraced the chaos. You're not hearing me this evening. Jesus Christ embraced the chaos. And he came into this world. And as he came, it's not for us to have the Christmas spirit just three days a year. I get so tired when people say, you got to get in the Christmas spirit. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. The Christmas spirit is not just a few days out of the year. It's not just one month out of the year. It's actually the presence and spirit of Jesus Christ that lives and breathes in us for this life and the life to come. Can I get an amen this evening? And what Jesus wants to give us in the midst of the chaos, because he's not going to, it doesn't just erase itself. The snow keeps falling, the storms keep coming, and he wants us to go through it. But in the midst of it all, he does want to give us hope, peace, joy, and love. And some of you have recognized people like that. They could be going through hell, and yet they're walking. They're still walking one step forward, one foot in front of the other. They're still standing one punch at a time, one moment at a time. They are fighting. And we see this in the life of Jesus. So if you want more of the presence of Christ, the spirit of Jesus, not just the Christmas spirit, then I want to tell you tonight, you have come to the right place. Welcome to Mosaic Church. My name is Pastor Ross, and I'm so glad 
that you have decided to worship with us here in person and online. You know, as we think about the life of Jesus, people often think of this kind of sanitized version of the birth of Jesus. I mean, we see it in front of the Hallmark cards, you know, we see it in the movies. But there's something about the incarnation that is God becoming human that is quite chaotic and messy. And we look at this in John chapter 1, verses 12, 10 through 14. And you can follow along on the screen. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, who is him, by the way? Jesus. So he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world, get this, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, and I want you to say it with me, children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh. So the Word that was present at creation, the Word that was spoken in Genesis 1, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Sisters and brothers, because of Jesus, we have a God who entered into the chaos. Jesus entered into the chaos of this world. When we think about the first century, And what was taking place in Bethlehem, there was a great census where Caesar Augusta was requiring everybody to register for the census. And so often we think of Bethlehem as this sleeper town, this sleeper place where it's just kind of like Mayberry. But that wasn't the case because it was starting to get overloaded with travelers. There was no room in the inn. There was nowhere to sleep because numerous people were coming and all of those people were hungry and all of those people were carrying anxiety because of the Roman rule in that day. The Romans were, they were, they were ruling with an iron fist. And so the Jewish people would always cry out for a Messiah because they believed that the Messiah was going to restore them to their former days when they were a united monarchy, when they had a king and all that, they didn't quite know and understand what they were asking for when they were praying for a Messiah. And so the Roman rule was prevalent. And not just the Roman rule, but the the preachers of the day, the church, the religious dignitaries, they would make up things that were outside of the Bible. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? They were making stuff up 
and then they were trying to impose it on the people and they themselves didn't even follow. That's why Jesus has, when you look at the harshest words that Jesus speaks, it's always to the religious dignitaries. It's always to the priests, the rabbis. It's always to the folks in the temple. And yet, in all of this mess, peace comes in the form of a baby. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. But what did Jesus give up? You think, man, I've given up a lot, maybe following Jesus or living a life of recovery. I've given some things up. You know what Jesus gave up when he came? He gave up heaven. He gave up the comfort of heaven. We call this in the tradition, the pre... I'm going to do some teaching tonight, okay? We call this the pre-existence of Christ. That before Jesus was, he was present at creation. In the beginning, it says in John chapter 1, was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made through Him. That is not in the notes in the script. But everything was made through Him. He entered the chaos. He gave up the riches of heaven. Philippians 2 actually says this, that He took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And as a man, he fashioned himself even to death, death on a cross. He humbled himself, leaving the throne of heaven and becoming a servant, serving all. He entered the chaos. And not only did Jesus enter the chaos 2,000 years ago, he wants to walk with you and I through the chaos. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. The Word of God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Do you know that Jesus wants to enter your life no matter how messy it is? One person is excited. How about you and I have church tonight, sister? I mean, what, you know, he moved into the neighborhood. He moved into our lives. See, in this 21st century Western Christian idea, we think that everything's got to be perfect because we care about appearances. We want to look good on the outside and live like hell on the inside. I mean, we talk about Botox and breast enhancements and butt enhancements and bicep enhancements and the latest clothes and all that. What is it? It's about appearances. This wasn't in the script either, Bob, so <laughs> following along in the notes. But we, we care about the outward trappings, and here's where I see it. We get stressed out around holidays. And we get stressed, because we're moving so quick, we get stressed out when, you know, one of the factors that stops us from inviting people in, into our homes and into our places is, man, it's, it's too messy in here. You know, back in the day when I was single, I'd just throw everything in the closet or under the bed. That don't work anymore. 
But that, is, that prohibits us from being in a relationship with one another, but it especially prohibits us from being in relationship with God. Because we think we have to have it all together. You see, Jesus said that we were going to be fishers of men and women. But you can't clean the fish before you catch the fish. Let me say that again. You can't clean the fish before you catch the fish. And so Jesus wants to come into our lives, meet us where we're at. And he loves us so much, he's not going to leave us there. He's going to start putting things away in our home. He's going to start rearranging some things. He's going to start cleaning up. But he's not going to do so unless he's invited to. So we have a God who entered the chaos. And thank you, Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have a God who endured the chaos. He endured it. Let's take a look again in John chapter 1 as a reminder of this. Says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Have you ever been rejected by people? Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been betrayed? This was the life of Jesus. His own didn't recognize him. Hey, you've been praying for a Messiah? Well, here I am. And you say that I'm the devil because I hang out with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes. Have you ever been mislabeled and misunderstood? Jesus has been there. Do you think everybody followed his teaching? Jesus had a lot of fans. He had a lot of spectators. But he had very few followers. Because when the rubber met the road, they didn't want to take the road less traveled. He endured the chaos. We see this in his life, in his ministry. We see this in his last week, the, what we call the Passion Week. As he went through, the people he even invested the most in were nowhere to be found. They were gone. They had left him. The scripture says that he was the man of sorrows. So you ever go through depression, anxiety? The Bible calls him the man of sorrows. That he was a lamb that was taken to the slaughter. That's what the scripture says. He endured the chaos. A lot of times we want to keep this sanitized picture of Jesus, little cute blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus, in the, you know, in, in the cradle. And, and, and we, we just want to, oh, that's so cute. You're, Jesus, you're so cute. We want to leave him there and forget that this baby was born to a teenage mom. This baby was fathered by a man who was not his father, not his biological father, but was an adoptive father, a stepfather, a foster father. Was there for him. He endured the chaos. He endured the chaos and went to the cross. 
I mean, we could get behind the, the baby in the manger. Hey, that's cool. And by the way, the manger was a feeding trough for animals slobbered and ate. That's where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born. I can't think of us wanting to put a baby in there with, with smelly animals. And guess who, guess who were the, the guest of honor that would come? The third shift workers. Anybody work night shift? Jesus invited the night shift to come and participate. That was the guest of honor. He endured the chaos at the cross. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. If you were going to be bailed out by money, he would have sent you a banker. If you were going to feel good about yourself and wanting that new car, he would have sent you a car salesman. If it wasn't going to be about food in your belly, he would have sent you a chef. But instead, he sends you a Messiah in the form of a baby to become the sacrifice, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world in the form of Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven. The battle is... Can we forgive ourselves? And because of Jesus, we have a God who overcame the chaos. He overcame the chaos. And this is what the scripture says in John chapter 1. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Say it with me children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, this is not just about having eternal life, but it's about having abundant life. Because many of us right now, we're not thinking about eternal life but we're thinking about the here and now life. See, I wouldn't have signed up for this if it's just about the eternal life. Because I need to live right now. And Jesus doesn't want to just promise us the eternal life, but he wants to give you and I life as children of God. And while we're children of God, that comes with an inheritance. That comes with some validity. That comes with all the promises that God has given to you and me. Jesus overcame the chaos in his life, in his ministry, in his death, burial, and resurrection. What does that mean? That means that death does not have the final word. Let me say that one more time. Death does not have the final word. Cancer does not have the final word. Addiction does not have the final word. Overdose doesn't have the final word. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has the final word. It's the gift that keeps on giving. When we're presented with that gift, maybe we have been in our lives, 
We just never made a decision to open it. Or maybe we opened it, but it requires too much work. Too much assembly required. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a handy guy. I know that doesn't surprise you. Uh, that's why I have some friends here who are my, my folks that kind of teach me something. I don't even want to learn. I just, hey, here's some money, man. Make it happen, Captain. You know, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Thank you, Lord, for convicting me. Um, but it's too much assembly required of us. So what do we do? We just kind of put it on the shelf. Well, tonight I want to encourage you to open up the present. I want to encourage you to take it out of the box. Because when you do, God has a way of blessing you in ways that you wouldn't imagine. He has a way of blessing those around you. It doesn't mean that the chaos will leave. It doesn't mean that the chaos is just going to go away. But what it does mean that you can have peace, hope, love, and joy. No one else can give it to you. No possession can give it to you. No person can give it to you. No amount of money can give it to you. No other Christmas gift can give it to you except in the form of Jesus Christ. So as we pray tonight, I want to invite you, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm not going to make anybody come to the altar or raise their hand or, you know, jump up and down. That's on Sunday morning. We'll do that on Sunday. (laughs) But what I want you to do is in your heart of hearts, just say, hey, I commit to this. And then let one of the pastors know we want to walk alongside of you. Or maybe you want to make a recommitment of your life. The gift has been there. You opened it, but you're like, too much assembly required. I don't want to mess with this. Well, maybe it's time to recommit your life. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks and praise for this evening. I just sense tonight that there are some here and some watching online that have really never made a decision to follow you before. And we want to give everybody an opportunity to do that. And if that's you, In your heart of hearts, say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life and my Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins and wash me of all unrighteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, your hope, peace, love, and joy. And allow me to grow in you every single day of my life. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to open up that gift and take it out of the box. We pray, Lord, we want to recommit our lives to you tonight. We've gone back and forth. We've had one foot in the world, one foot with you. And tonight we want to make the decision to fully trust in you. Forgive us of our sins and all of our unrighteousness.
Wash us and cleanse us anew as we renew this commitment in you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners and all God's people said, amen.